The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 107 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Our main story? It's well known that nursing homes have suffered some of the worst COVID-19 outbreaks. But some care homes seem to be much safer than others. So what's the secret to protecting elderly patients? But first, here's what happened in Virus News today. Florida suspended drinking at bars across the state effective immediately today. It was the state's first major policy shift in response to a surge in COVID-19 cases this month. The state's one-day increase in cases Friday was its biggest ever. Other Sunbelt hotspots are also seeing cases continue to rise. Cases in Arizona jumped 5.4% today, and the state had its biggest yet jump in hospitalizations. Governor Doug Ducey said Thursday that hospitals are likely to hit surge capacity very soon, with the number of cases and hospitalizations expected to worsen in the next two weeks. And in Harris County, Texas, where Houston is located, a level one emergency was declared today. That's equivalent to a recommendation that residents stay at home as much as possible to prevent or slow the spread of the virus. Finally, the alarming spread of the virus in the U.S. isn't stopping some airlines from forging ahead with a complete return to pre-COVID business as usual. American Airlines will sell flights to capacity starting on Wednesday, abandoning limits on passenger loads it had put in place as a coronavirus safety measure. United Airlines hasn't guaranteed to block seats, But Delta Airlines has said it will keep middle seats open through September 30th. Southwest Airlines has committed to block middle seats unless customers are traveling together. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. 
Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. And now for our main story. Around the world, care homes have been a hotbed for COVID-19 outbreaks. Because older people are particularly vulnerable, nursing homes and assisted living facilities have had some of the deadliest outcomes during the pandemic. But some nursing homes have done much better than others at containing the virus spread and protecting their elderly residents. Bloomberg reporter Angelica Levito reports that one company in the Seattle area learned early in the pandemic the essential ingredient for COVID management. Testing, testing, and testing again. So I'll start by welcoming everybody. Thank you for coming. And uh, this is important work. We're fighting the invisible enemy. Um, Today's broad testing, we're testing all residents and all staff here at University House, uh, Wallingford. Stacy. Albert Manunga is the Regional Director of Health and Wellness at Era Living. He is preparing to test residents at University House Wallingford, an assisted living facility in Seattle. Testing is a key tool to identifying people infected with the novel coronavirus in assisted living facilities and nursing homes. It might sound obvious now, but that was not always the case. A nursing home first exposed the U.S to just how deadly the novel coronavirus could be. The virus swept through the Life Care Center of Kirkland in late February. It infected residents and employees alike. 45 deaths have been linked to the Washington facility. A short drive away in Seattle, alarm bells started going off at Era Living's Ida Culver House, Ravenna, in early March. One resident visited his doctor on March 4th. His earlier trip to an urgent care center did not resolve the unexplained confusion he was experiencing. The doctor prescribed antibiotics for what looked like bacterial pneumonia. On the way back to the Ida Culver house, the family called with a heads up. Suspicious, a nurse called Menunga. And so for me, that was a red flag. I told my nurse that let's talk to the family to see if we can actually request this resident not to enter the community, but proceed to the emergency room and be tested. At the time, we had no testing abilities anywhere. Two days later, on March 6th, the hospital called. The resident tested positive. We had to stay calm. We anticipated that it could potentially cause a lot of panic in many people around within and outside the community. So we had to come together and to seek some understanding of what we're dealing with and we agreed on sweeping protective measures to be able to potentially isolate anyone with any kind of symptoms that we thought could be of concern. Residents and employees were notified. Workers who came in close contact with the patient were sent home. The dining room was closed. Meals were delivered to residents who were asked to stay in their apartments. 
but the virus was already lurking inside. Fever, cough, and other flu-like symptoms are the hallmarks of COVID-19. The first patient did not show any of those signals. He died on March 9th. Another resident was hospitalized on March 10th. There was no way to know how many others were infected. Era Living had already been exploring how it could test everyone, says Vice President of Operations Nissan Harrell. It was challenging because at the time, the testing guidelines were very narrow. And we felt the only way to know if you have it is to test, um, which seems simple, but we felt really strongly that we had to get that done. And we had wanted it from the very beginning when we heard there was a positive test. Um, and we had been having conversations about that. But then once the resident passed away, we made phone calls at night and really pushed to, to have it done. The next day, University of Washington researchers came in and tested all residents and employees. Infectious disease specialist Dr. Allison Roxby and her team were afraid an outbreak was brewing inside. I've participated in surveys in multiple congregate settings in King County, Washington, and we have seen many outbreaks that take off like wildfire. So having one patient positive in a community can quickly result in many positive patients if people are not uh, distancing appropriately and if they don't have adequate personal protective equipment or PPE. Menunga says he was not afraid, but he was prepared. I was prepared for a potential widespread update because we didn't know that the COVID was in the community. Uh, nobody had respiratory symptoms. The gentleman that had it had not exhibited no signs. Now we wake up to a new reality that potentially we could have other people without symptoms. And so I was prepared to see a number of cases through that experience. Roxby and her team at the University of Washington screened everyone for symptoms. They asked them to record anything out of the ordinary, like a cough or a fever. Then they swabbed. Three of 80 residents and two of 62 workers tested positive. Some did not report any symptoms. They tested all residents again one week later. Just one more resident tested positive. The interventions worked. Roxby and her team shared the results in a study that was published in a medical journal and shared by the CDC. Her conclusion? Testing can catch infections that screening for symptoms can't. We were very hardened that despite having two patients in the facility uh, with confirmed coronavirus, that we did not see a facility-wide outbreak. And it suggested to us that when facilities follow all of the recommendations, it's possible to avoid a facility-wide outbreak. Ida Culverhouse Ravenna has not detected another case of COVID-19 among its residents. Parent company Era Living has since tested its roughly 2,500 residents and employees across its eight communities in the Seattle area. Four residents have died. 19 residents and 17 workers tested positive and recovered. The company is now in the process of testing everyone again. Sit back in your chair. I'm going to put this in and we're going to count to 10, okay? Mm -hmm. Ready? Count with me. One. Menunga says broad testing informed Air Living's practice. All these measures we had were delivering. 
wonderful outcomes for us in terms of limiting the spread of COVID-19. And this is, I think, the story of how we overcame. One, two, two three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Excellent. Now I'm going to go the other side, okay? Okay. You are so good. Almost count. One, two. It's been nearly four months since the Ida Culver House Ravenna and assisted living facilities across the country canceled activities and barred visitors. The virus continues spreading in the U.S., with new hotspots emerging in states like Arizona and Texas. In Seattle, restrictions are starting to loosen. Era Living's residents can leave their rooms and walk outside, and testing remains a crucial part to keeping them safe. All the things you need, all right? Safety is not a game of chance. We need to make sure we triple check every single time. You guys, thank you for your angelic help. We always appreciate you. And for, for all the other volunteers from other communities, uh, Ida Cove House Broadview, thank you so much, you guys. All right. That was Angelica Levito. And that's our show today. Before we go, a programming note. Starting next week, we will drop our Tuesday and Thursday episodes. That's not because coronavirus isn't still the most important news story in the world. It is, and we expect it will continue to be. But in recent weeks, other important issues have also begun to demand our attention. In the U.S., for example, a profound reckoning with racism and a potentially world-changing presidential election in a few months. We have no intention of abandoning our commitment to cover the full range of stories related to COVID-19. We are simply stepping back slightly to make room for some others. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Angelica Levito. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Shine and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth. 
and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.